1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
0: Believe. Hello, and welcome to episode 13, lucky number 13 of the Flying V Anaheim Ducks podcast. I am your co-host, Anthony Cerdelli. Here with me today once again is Kent Huskins. Kent, how you doing?
2: Anthony, doing well. Thanks, man. How you doing?
0: Very good. Had an excellent interview already with NHL network reporter and NHL radio host, as well as Believe podcast host, Jonathan Davis. He talked with us all about Anaheim Ducks hockey, the Kings, a little bit of Sharks, just the Pacific Division in general, maybe a couple potential trades the Ducks might... Uh, explore or not explore so definitely a great conversation with him Kent and I are gonna go over the Washington Capitals game from last night a 3-2 loss for the Ducks but once again a game that the Ducks were in most of the time uh, and some physical stuff there as well I think bridging over from the last time the two teams met. And we're going to talk three stars. And in this three stars case, we're going to do Kent's favorite away cities to play in and my favorite NHL fan bases. So going to be an interesting conversation there. But as always, you can find us on the Believe Podcast Network Southern California's favorite sports podcast network, the only place of the show for every team here in Southern California and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? You can find us on the normal podcast directories. That's iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. You can find me at Deli Tweets on Twitter. And you can find Kent at Kent. What? what yeah. You can find Kent at Husqvarna on Instagram. That's H-U-S-K under Verna, correct. That's it. There we go. Finally, was able to spit all of that out. So, uh, let's go. Let's talk about uh, Capitals Ducks here. Um, pretty, uh, pretty interesting game, I would say, considering what happened last time. Ducks were in it most of the time. But what were your impressions? Yeah, definitely some carryover from
2: last game. Um, love to see the intensity in that kind of game. Uh, you know, halfway through this season. Um, Definitely a lot of a lot of physicality and uh, some kind of unfinished business from from some incidents from last game with the with the spitting. But uh, I I think that's uh, one thing that I kind of uh, you know we've talked about a little bit of this kind of the presence of this in hockey, but a little bit of the the honor code uh, coming through last night with. Uh, uh, basically, Hathaway and uh, and Goodbranson, and it looked almost like it was kind of behind the play, but it looks like Hathaway and they both both basically just kind of uh, tracked each other down out on the ice and decided to to put it to bed and, and drop the gloves and uh, and move on. So I know uh, branson's bit had a bit of a size advantage, but uh, def- Hathaway definitely uh, willing to kind of. Uh, uh, in a way kind of hockey's way of uh, taking responsibility of, of what happened last game and just kind of owning up to it and agreeing to, to settle things and then uh, putting that to bed, but also some physicality that also happened in the game that, uh, that you were mentioning that I, uh, I actually missed, but I just saw the, the replay of, of the fight, but you mentioned there was uh, an incident between uh, Gudis and Richie.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Richie comes in the corner. I think he dumped the puck uh, down past Gudas, and Gudas threw a hip into him. Maybe he looked a little late. I don't think Richie was expecting it because Richie kind of his. I think it was his left knee buckled uh, pretty substantially, and he could put weight on it afterwards. Had to be helped off the ice, and uh, not good for the Ducks, obviously. Um, I'm curious to see how they respond without, you have to assume, without Richie in the lineup because uh, Dallas Eakins, I think, was quoted after the game as saying it didn't look good. So uh, there's a potential for Richie to be out of the lineup for quite a while, but that might open a spot up for Max Comtois again. I wonder if you see him get called up with Richie out of the lineup. But uh, then Gudis has to answer the bell for Delorier and Delorier really gives it to him. definitely gets Goudis down and just... I'm watching the fight right now uh, again and just pounds him relentlessly. So good on Goudis for answering the bell after that, uh, I'll say questionable hit, uh, a guy that has a history of kind of making some questionable hits, but he certainly is also a very good defenseman, physical physical player, so good on Delorier for standing up for his teammate, good on Goudis for uh, responding and not turtling when it came to that fight overall. Uh, what would you say?
2: Yeah, absolutely and I think we've talked about the the fourth line and their effectiveness uh, multiple times so far and just another uh, another instance of just a guy that that's continued kind of to pay his good dividends kind of an un unheralded uh, signing this summer a kind of depth signing that uh, that Bob Murray and the the Ducks staff, you know, was it was a big win for them getting this guy and come in and just just what he's been able to do and chipping in points and and the hits and standing up for his teammates and uh, just just a great pickup and a great season by uh, Nick Delore and the rest of the the role players for the Ducks so far this year. Um, and overall, last night I thought they played well. I thought. Um, you know judging on the the 3-2 loss but against again a a great team in the nhl right now one of the top tier teams if not the the premier team and to stand in and hold their own and uh bounce back from uh down two to tie it up uh 2-2 early in the third and then uh Yeah I mean a hard fought 3-2 loss again but uh, another sign that uh, maybe not the result we're looking for but just a a good sign of progress and uh, that just another good showing I thought despite the result.
0: Yeah and obviously a very good game by Ryan Getzlaff scores a goal. The first goal of the game gets an assist on the second tying goal Um, really I think continuing to play well overall and we discussed a little bit of that with Jonathan Davis coming up but uh, Really, I think, a, a, a bounce-back season for him, which is definitely, I think, what you expected early on. You you certainly, I think, called that uh, early in the preseason that, that he would kind of come back strong. Um, and then uh, Terry with a nice play, a nice poke check to kind of get the puck to Getzleff on that first goal. So, like you said, some good signs there. Um, what, what do you think about Getzleff?
2: Yeah, I, I think, I, yeah, looking at the... The game there last night and seeing that that was his 10th of the season, I know he'd scored a bunch, but to see he's got 10 already, that puts him on track, as you were mentioning with Jonathan, somewhere around uh, 2025, 20, maybe high 20s uh, to keep up that pace. But I think he's played well. And I think um, it's a it's a great role for him. And I think he's kind of embraced uh, He's always been a leader and always been a competitor and and a a great teammate, but uh, kind of the the mentorship role and and always leading by example, and that's kind of uh, you can see he's really taken that to heart, and he's playing hard every night like he always does, and uh, and the pucks are going in for him so far. So it's uh, great to see a guy like that having success.
0: Unfortunately, the Ducks do come out on the wrong side of a 3-2 loss. That final goal there with and Gooley kind of giving the puck right to Jacob Verana, who scored uh, on his second opportunity. You were mentioning to me that that's a very difficult play for a defenseman to make. Can you kind of explain a little bit more? Yeah, I've been there. You're coming in on your offside, and I know it... um, it
2: yeah, it was a tough turnover, obviously, but that, that is a tough play as a defenseman because you're coming back, you have to obviously dedicate your your eyes and your attention to gathering the puck on your left side, so you're totally blind to your right side, you know, so you're just kind of, I think you're probably skating back, taking a glance, know uh, that there was a Ducks player there, but Verona just kind of scooted in between, and um so you know, Gully thinks he's making a, a tape-to-tape pass, his own guy. All of a sudden, someone sneaks in, kind of on his blind spot, and uh, and grabs the puck, and he's got all the forward momentum to carry him to the net and put in the rebound. But uh, yeah, again, another teaching moment where maybe it's uh, as a defenseman, you you want to get back there and make a tape-to-tape pass, but sometimes I think uh, it might be a case of trying to do too much. And whereas if you have the puck. Uh, in that scenario, it might be best just to kind of turn and, and eat it. And there's got to be uh, communication. I mean, there, there's a lot that goes into it, but there's got to be communication by everyone on the ice. Like a guy's screaming, no, 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 or up the boards, up the boards. So you're kind of relying on everyone else on the ice to, to kind of help you out so you can maybe just... Resort to not uh, not being able to make a tape to tape pass and just kind of shovel it up the wall on your back end, which isn't great. But sometimes those are the plays you have to make and and live to fight another day. But uh, and just seeing that that uh, you know the 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 upside of Brendan Guile on that non goal of just jumping up in the play, uh, making it a two on one, and then uh, we'll call that a fake shot. A fake shot, uh, kind of <laughs> whiffed on it a little bit, but then having the wherewithal to gather it and make a great pass over to sam Steele to create that goal um which ended up getting a uh, called back unfortunately but uh, the other side of that was a phenomenal pickup by the capitals uh video coaching staff to pick up on that offside because that was close 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 but uh it definitely uh, it was offside you could see the foot was lifted
0: yeah and they don't have a lot of time to make that call between uh when the puck is, I guess, fished out of the back of the net and and when it's dropped again, because after it's dropped, you can't really challenge it. So really, you're right, a heads-up play by the Capitals. Uh, maybe it was a video coach, an assistant coach. They're always kind of looking down at those tablets on the bench you can see after, right. a, after a close play at the blue line. So. Uh, definitely a good call on that. Without further ado, let's throw it over to our interview guest. He's the host of Two Man Advantage on Sirius XM's NHL radio. He also hosts the West Coast Hockey Podcast on Believe Podcast Network. He's an NHL network reporter, and he appears on Sportsnet 960 and TSN 1290 on the radio in Canada. Here's Jonathan Davis. Hey, man, how are you? Hey, Jonathan. Thanks for I uh, appreciate taking the time for the interview today. Uh, Kent is here, so we're, we're going to uh, be able to both ask you some questions and have a discussion. How's it going?
1: Going great. Going great.
0: Awesome, man. You, you said your son's at a uh, playing his own youth game. I'm assuming putting on his equipment right now.
1: Yeah, they start in about an hour down in uh, El Segundo.
0: Oh, nice. All right, I'm on my way back up there in a little bit. Uh, I live in the South Bay area too, so it's a good rink to play in.
1: <laughs> yeah, not as, not as good as down in Irvine, though.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. Great Park is nice. Kent, uh, we, we, we went there for the rookie tournament and I played a men's yeah. league there. It's pretty awesome.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Hey, Jonathan. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Yeah, that place is – I was there for that rookie tournament. That is just awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah it, what a spot. It reminds me of like a really, really nice futuristic airport. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so if you don't mind, we'll just start firing up the questions. Um, sure. So first of all, uh, I, I want to know who's surprised you so far in the Pacific Division overall the most, either a player or a team, um, so far this season?
1: Well, um, i mean, surprised in a good way or a bad
0: way. Could be either way.
1: Well, you know, I, I think from a disappointing standpoint, it would have to be Calvary. Uh you know, especially coming off that 100-point season last year, you know, I, I expected more. I knew that there would be some – or I thought there would be some issues with the goaltending, but I don't think that that's been, you know, the big problem in Calgary. The big problem is is the big guns uh, in both Doudreau and Monahan have really struggled. Now you've seen, you know, now that Jeff Ward has taken over and he's made some changes, I do like what he has done uh, when you look at what they did last game and that they moved Sean Monaghan to the wing. I think that that's going to take – a lot of pressure off Sean Monahan, very similar to what was going on with Claude Giroux in Philadelphia. But Calgary is definitely, to me, in disappointment uh, early on. I'd say the pleasant surprise, well, I mean, you know, the fact that Edmonton is where they're at um, at this point in time, I, I think that, that that is a surprise. With Edmonton, you know, the, the, the one, that I, one thing I would pay attention to is their goal differential is around plus six or plus seven. And that shouldn't be for a team that's got now i think 18 wins at the time that we're doing this podcast they, they should be a, a lot better than that and you know there's still a two-horse team with, with connor and leon uh, and then the other thing that's also really surprising to me is that you know, we get very much caught up in, in the offense that james neal has provided in edmonton but look at the fact that you know that he was a, around a minus 14 which you know with with 10 power play goals that tells me they're being outscored twenty to four minus sixteen. They're being outscored like twenty to four with him on the ice at even strength. So, you know, the goaltending numbers have, have dipped from early on in the season. They were they were in the top five early on. Now they're the, now they're below ten. So, uh, well, they, they've had a great start. I'm just not sure if they can keep this going
0: yeah agree it's, it's certainly interesting to me to see now moving on to the ducks where calgary is in the standings in relation to anaheim versus edmonton i thought it might be the other way around but moving on to the ducks uh where do you think they are in their rebuild or retool if uh, the way bob Murray called it um and have their young players kind of lived up to your expectations so far
1: well i think that Overall, when you look at their record, they, they're at where I thought they'd be at. I mean, I figured, look, this was a team that was going to challenge for ninth spot in, in the Western Conference. And I thought that was something that was realistic for them. Um, one thing you know that, that was very impressive about the Anaheim Ducks guys is that five on five, they're plus two goal differential. So that's telling me that, that when you know that they can stick with, with teams, those teams on, on a given night. That's that's pretty impressive for a team. The other thing is is that when you look up and down their lineup, I mean. You know, I, the majority of their forwards. Uh, I think they only had three forwards that were minus players when it came to plus minus, and there was Nick Ritchie, and I think it was Troy Terry, and and uh, and, and maybe Max Jones or Sam Steele. But only three forwards that were minus players, and all other big D were all were all on the plus side. So there's a lot of positives uh, going on in Anaheim. I think they're at where they were where I felt they'd be at. In the case of the young guns, well, I think they have played okay. I, I think that you know that they would, like, they would have liked to see at least one of them, you know, Steele, Terry, Jones, or Comtois, have a, a little bit better season than where they're at right now. I mean, I, you know, uh, Sam Steele, I think, was at 10 points, again, at the time that we're doing this, and and Troy Terry has been playing better late. I think he's got around, you know, six or seven points. Uh, you know, decent numbers, but I think that they would have liked to at least see one of those four guys uh, off to a bit better start, make a little more of an impact.
2: Yeah, I think, uh... It's definitely a fair assessment. What do you think? Uh, what do you think? Um, have you watched um, Brandon Gooley, uh, the defenseman, and and what do you think of the the Ducks' defense score so far this year?
1: Well, I, I think that they miss Josh Manson a lot. Uh, you know, I, I like I like what you know what they've got in Gooley. I mean, but the players you know, who I talk to, I really you know everyone seems to be encouraged with where this guy is going. Uh, but it's going to take some time, and I think that you know we're seeing him up and down, and that's that's part of, you know, up and down between the big club and, and, and San Diego, and, and it's a progression. Like, it is for, for all these young kids. But I think they've got a great coach in, in Dallas Eakins who knows how to insulate his players uh, and, and, and really and not put these guys in positions where they shouldn't be. But there's no question that, you know, that they miss Josh Manson and, and the toughness that he provides uh, on the back end. And I think that, you know, he can make a lot of guys play bigger uh, but again, you know, I think Hampus Lindholm is having you know, a good year, and you know, great to have him back in the lineup. And, and Cam Fowler, uh, you know, uh, is, is, as well. I mean, I think you, know, you look at his numbers, and he's got 15 points, uh, you know, it, it's been big. I, I, don't, I think that Cam, like, to me, is a real, I think he's a true number two. I don't think Cam does anything overly, uh, I don't think he excels in really one area. I think he does a lot of things very well. Uh, the one big problem that Anaheim does have in the blue line, and it's been you know it's a situation that Bob Murray tried to address in the offseason and, again, in the early part of this season, is they need a power play specialist on the back end. They don't have a, a power play goal from any defenseman this year, and that's why they you know went, went hard after Kevin and and tried to get Justin Falk as well. I mean, this has been an issue going back to last year. I remember when they were pursuing Justin Falk at the beginning of this year, and I was looking at the fact that Justin Falk had more power play goals last season than the Ducks blue line did combined last
0: season. There are a couple of guys who, I mean, I, I've looked at who I thought might fit that role if Bob Murray is interested, still interested in trying to trade one. Do you think that Colin Miller and Buffalo might be a good option, kind of a guy who's fallen into a lower pairing role but got a cannon shot from the right side? Uh, do you think he might be a good fit for the Ducks? Not that there have been any rumors around, but just a rant throwing out a name.
1: Well, I, I think that Colin Miller, you know, this is a time where you could potentially get him on the cheap. But I don't think, I don't know if Buffalo, you know, wants to do that right now, though they do have a surplus of defensemen. Yeah, I, I don't know why it hasn't worked out for Colin Miller in Buffalo. His numbers have fallen off uh, ever since that first year. Um, and, and maybe for him, you know, he does, he could use a new home. Uh, but Buffalo knows that they're going to be sent. you know, if they're trading, you know, if they are trading him, they're probably getting 75 cents on the dollar right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if even the Vegas Golden Knights tried to see if they could find a way to get Colin Miller back as well. Uh, They could use him. But absolutely, for for Anaheim, if they could find a way to to make that deal, I think he would be an upgrade for them.
0: Um, You mentioned Dallas Eakins, the job he was doing so far this year. Uh, What what has your impression of him been overall in his kind of second go-around in the NHL as an NHL head coach?
1: Well, I think he learned from his first experience, you know, I, I, you know, and, and we've seen this in other sports. I mean, I don't want to put him in the same caliber by any stretch as Bill Belichick, but, you know, Bill Belichick had a horrendous experience in, in Cleveland, learned from it, and, and is, you know, really took advantage of it in his opportunity in, in New England. Now, granted, you know, he has Tom Brady, and, 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 you know, if you have yourself a good quarterback, well, it sure helps, kind of like in the NHL. You know, if you have a good goalie, well, that'll answer a lot of questions. It can make a coach look really good. And if you don't have a good goalie, well, you're really bad. But I, I like the way that Dallas communicates with his players. He, he's, he seems, you know, from every, all accounts, he's very open and up front. The players know where they stand. They know that if they're, you know, that, uh, guys know, that some guys know that they're not going to be, you know, 82-game players. And, and and they have a sense of when they're going to be in and out of the lineup and, and, and why they're in and out of the lineup. I like the fact that you know he's he's taken this team from a dump and chase to more of a puck possession team and taking advantage of the skills that these guys have on the roster. So I like what Dallas has done, uh, and you know he understands. I think you know the organization as a whole understands that this is a process and this is not about trying to make the playoffs this year. This is trying to improve. Uh, with each game, and if they can stick to what they're, you know, the, the process and the system that Dallas is trying to execute here, that at the end, you know, in the long run, they're going to be a much better team for it. It just may not, they may not be a playoff team this year, likely, though know, but next year, you know, they'll put themselves in a really good spot.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great, uh, a great assessment of where they're at. I think we talked about it last week, trying to figure out where, uh, where the Ducks might uh, end up at the end of this season. Um, and that's kind of where, where we had him pegged too, I think Anthony had him missing out and, and me the the old uh, sentimental had him squeak, <laughs> squeaking in uh, the 8th spot but yeah, I, I think that's a great uh, a great call on, on what we're seeing and I think another kind of case in point, the game last night where you just see all, a lot of positives that you can take away from that game about matching up against uh, one of the top teams, if not the top team in the NHL right now and and they definitely held their own and, and uh, definitely carried uh, carried some of the play, at least had their chances and wind up on the the, the wrong end of a, another 3-2 loss. But, yeah, I think definitely the, the indications are there and looking at the, the large view kind of over time and where we're at in the process. I think uh, we're, we're pretty much on schedule, I would think. And um, what, what's your take on... Uh, as the, where the ducks at as compared to where the uh, the kings are at. Well, I, I
1: think that, that both teams are you know similar situations and you know look they both understand you know that they're at least a year or two away. I, I think that right now the Anaheim Ducks have more NHL-ready players um, at you know uh, that can fill the potential top six roles that LA does have right now. I mean LA's got you know. You know you know, at least we're starting to see what guys like Steele and Compro and Jones can do. Um, whereas LA, just you know, they are just so starved for firepower up front. Uh, you know, they're they're waiting on guys like Alex Turcotte, who's playing at the University of Wisconsin, uh, Rasmus Kapari, and Alex Kaliev, who's having you know a great season in the Ontario Hockey League, but it's the Ontario Hockey League. Right. So. I think, you know, the Kings may be a little further back in in the process, but uh, again, both teams are are realistic. I I want to turn the table on on to you and ask you a question, because as a former player, what's it like to be in a situation? I'm curious, you know, for a team that knows that they're going through a rebuild, you know, how tough is that on a veteran player? Uh,
2: Yeah, I think you kind of have a a sense kind of in the beginning of the year. But I think when you're kind of in the midst of the battle, you're just uh, the competitive uh, competitiveness is there. And all these guys and, and and I think even as a bottom team, in the league from experience, it happened to me a couple times. You're still kind of looking at the standings and thinking well, like every game is is important. And well, if we can if we could win. Eight of our, out of our next ten, we'll put ourselves in a decent position to make it, or that kind of thing. So you're you're always kind of thinking. I mean, even in, in a rebuild, there's no sense of of just waiting for next year and giving up. I think these guys are all uh, proud athletes, and and once you get it in the heat of the game, that's what kind of uh, everything that matters is is the current game. So yeah, I mean, it's I guess it, at times with when the losses pile up, there can be uh, some negativity that creeps in but that's a kind of the onus falls on the the veteran players and um and i guess you know in part the, the coaching staff as well to kind of work in tandem to maintain the the kind of uh, organizational uh, direction and positivity and energy so everything kind of keeps heading in the right direction and everything stays on course
1: yeah i'll tell you you know from a veteran standpoint i really like what i've seen ryan gets left this year I, I think that uh, you know i think he seems to have a greater a greater understanding of you know where the team is at and and the role that you know he's even taken you know a bit of a secondary role i, mean, I think it's the first year in, in quite some time that he's playing less than 20 minutes a game yeah and there's no reason to burn him out uh by you know with where this team is at so you know i i like the fact that uh you know, we're, we're you know that Getzlaf doesn't have to worry about carrying the load. He's not trying to. Uh, so yeah, I, I do. I, I like where Anaheim is going. Uh, I just hope that they don't waste. Um, I, maybe "waste" isn't the best word to use. It probably isn't. But the best years of John Gibson, uh, yeah. because I think they've got one of the best goalies in the league, and I hope that there's an opportunity uh, that this team can can get to the level that they want. While well, Gibson is still, you know. Uh, one of the elite goalies in the NHL.
0: Yeah, that's a good point on Getzlav. I was thinking on the drive down here. I mean, he's kind of at the pace he's going now flirting with a 25 or 30-goal season, which... Uh, goal scoring wise is actually one of the better seasons he'll have in his career, I think. So uh, totally agree there in terms of another goal scorer, who's a lot of rumors have been kind of uh, surrounding with the New Jersey Devils. And uh, there was an article I believe I read in Sportsnet by, I think it was Luke Fox who listed kind of five teams who might be good matches for Taylor Hall. And he listed the Ducks as one of them. Do you think the Ducks would seriously consider trading for Taylor Hall? Do you think that's kind of a pipe dream?
1: Well, I mean, there's no question that this team needs a sniper. And, and Eric Stevens uh, covers the Texas Athletic. You know, wrote a, a, a similar column as well. And, and I think that uh, look, I ad- I understand it. Uh, I, I think that uh, it would it, it makes sense to have look. This team needs a sniper. There's no question. There's two big needs for this team: Another, a scorer up front, and, 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 and as we talked about earlier, someone that can anchor the power play. I just don't think that $11 million a year for a guy who's, who's, what, 28 years old right now would be the way to go because by the time, you know, I don't know if you're going to get the best years at Taylor Hall. And then the other question you have to worry about is health. Uh, you know, this is a guy that has not been able to stay healthy. I, I, I personally, you know, I think from a compete standpoint, he's always been one of my favorite players. I, I remember even during the really bad days of the Edmonton Oilers before Connor got there, didn't matter where they were in the standings. This guy, this guy played until the whistle, you know, until the third period hit zero zero zero. So I, I love this guy from a compete level. I just don't think it's good value for them to be spending eleven million dollars on a guy um, at his age and and where this team is at. So I would pass on Taylor Hall.
0: I wonder also if, judging by the kind of the uh, contracts that some of the other players have signed in free agency, like Taylor Hall, if he'd be asking for a really high signing bonus contract, kind of a lot of the money up front, and that I wonder if that might steer the Ducks away from potentially trying to trade for and then sign him.
1: Yeah, I I don't. Well, yeah, I don't think the trading for. I I think the big thing. I think Taylor Hall is going to go to free agency. I'd be really surprised if he didn't. Why wouldn't he at this point? Um, and if the guy, you know, for a guy that has, uh, you know, snipped the playoffs just once in his career, uh, I, I, you know, I could not see him signing with Anaheim uh, long-term. It just it just wouldn't make sense. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously, see, you know, it would, would St. Louis be a fit for him? Would Colorado be a fit for him? You know, is there a way for them to, to fit him under the cap? Would he take less to go to a team like Colorado? Uh, but I, I just don't think that... You know, for Anaheim, uh, as, as nice you would have that, that type of player, he's just not the he's not the guy right now that, that I would be targeting for Bob Hardy.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point, and um, yeah, just the fact that I, I believe he, yeah he will be going to a free agency, and the fact that you probably they'd probably be looking for uh, draft picks and young players, which is kind of counterproductive to what uh, basically the Ducks are going through right now, so. Yeah, probably, probably not a great fit all around. Um, switching gears, I guess, moving up uh, the West Coast, what is your take on uh, on the San Jose Sharks? A, a, a tough start and uh, obviously um, come on strong as of late. Kind of an, an interesting lineup, kind of heavy loaded uh, on the back end. And uh, with the loss of Pavelski this year, they've been kind of uh, figuring things out up front. But... Uh, uh, kind of an interesting roster and uh, curious to think where you think they'll end up this year Well, I, I, I'm, I'm so
1: I'm not buying on the Sharks right now uh, You know they, they had a really good November and, and they you know their goal was to get themselves You know the first step was to get themselves back to 500 and they've gotten over that hump So, you know kudos to them the, the concern that I have with this roster guys is that you know, yes, they, they are you know, you've got Burns and and Vlasik and uh, and Carlson on the back end, and that's great. Uh, then then it gets to be a little dicey. You know, Redeem Simic, who was such an important part of this team last year, is still trying to find his way after his offseason surgery. And he and Brent Burns, who were such a good tandem last year, just haven't connected. And I thought that when Simic came back, uh, there was an initial return. I mean, they were on. You know, the team went six straight when Simic came back, but he and Burns just haven't clicked yet up front you know the concern is is that uh, you've got hurdle meyer Tour, and Kane, and after that take your chances you know the, doug wilson has been definitely been disappointed with you know a lot of the guys have been in that bottom six role they the guys that they were hoping for that would kind of take off just haven't yet i mean kevin LeBanc has had his moments but i don't think he's at where they had hoped he'd be at and you know, same for Bartley Goudreau, and then they—you know—they—they they brought up—you know—kids, shuttle kids back and forth between uh, their 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 Barracuda, San Jose Barracuda team in the AHL. So I, I just don't think that this roster is deep enough at this point. But Doug Wilson has never been shy to make deals. The problem is, is that you know doesn't have the assets and draft picks to trade. You know, especially he's got a first-round draft pick that uh, will we'll go to Ottawa this year as part of the Eric Carlson trade. So. Uh, you know, he doesn't have a lot to work with. I and, and then the other thing we haven't touched upon yet has been the goaltending. And while Martin Jones was, I think, the third star for the month of November, you know, those numbers still aren't great. I mean, he, that save percentage is still below 900. Same for Aaron Dell. Uh, you know, Dell had, uh, you know, got, got them that shootout victory. Uh, or, shootout. he got a point. In the shootout lost to Carolina. Uh, but the concern, you know... Th- the concern that I would have with Aaron Dell is that when you go back to about, about a week ago, guys, you know, they had back-to-back games in uh, in Florida and Tampa. I'm sorry, not Florida, so that's this week. They had back-to-back games in L.A. and Arizona. And Martin Jones started both. And that's because they just were obviously confident enough in Aaron Dell. Now Dell came in and replaced Jones in, in the uh, Capitals game uh, earlier this week. He did start the next game. We'll see what happens when they play back back games this you know uh, this coming weekend, but uh, their goaltending situation is one that uh, is also cause for concern. And unless Martin Jones can find a way to be the Martin Jones that played in the playoffs last year, you know Pete DeBoer has made no bones about the fact you can't win with a goalie the save percentage is at or below 900.
0: Right. Um, and last question, I think overall, considering everything uh, that's gone down this so far this season, who who do you think comes out of the Pacific Division, at least in the top three spots, uh, whether or not they have a wild card or not? Uh, <laughs> I don't know.
1: Well, I, I think that at the end of the day, I, I, I'll take Arizona. Uh, I'm still I'm still buying on Vegas, and uh, I'll, I'll you know I'll, I'll go with. God, that third spot is really for me is up for grabs. Uh, that, that's a that's a real tough one between you know San Jose and Calgary. I, I think that ultimately that's where it's going to land. Uh, like, I just think I really think everything's going to fall out of it. Uh, but I'm gonna, right now if I I'll, I'll take the t- I'll take Arizona and and Vegas and then flip a coin for
2: for that third spot.
0: Got it. I think uh, that certainly is a, a, definitely a good educated guest. Kent. Do you have anything else you want to ask him?
2: No, I think it's been great. Um, it's been great hearing a little more uh, more insight and diving deeper into the, the Ducks and Kings. So thanks
0: a lot for uh, for joining
2: us here this morning.
1: Hey, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Excellent. So let's move on to the three stars segment uh, of the podcast today. We're talking. Favorite away cities. So for Kent, that's going to be favorite cities that he's played in in his career uh, on road trips. For me, since I obviously didn't play in the NHL, I'm going to be talking my favorite Fan bases from the NHL, and uh, I've definitely got three in mind. So, Ken let's hear it. favorite favorite away cities to play in.
2: nice favorite away cities. Uh, the first one, I guess, it's kind of the the classic one as a kid growing up in Canada. But the, having the chance to a couple of times in my career when I mean, uh, played a Saturday night game at Montreal uh, was always, uh, yeah, just a, a special experience. You can, I don't know, you can just tell the the atmosphere. There's just something special when you skate out there, and just the the fan base and um just the the history and everything uh kind of embedded into the culture of montreal and the canadians and everything like that so those were always special games always um the national broadcast too in canada the hockey night in canada which was always uh grew up watching that so being a chance to to play in those games was always cool um So Montreal was definitely the coolest. um, But also being from from Ottawa and playing in Ottawa was always uh, sentimentally uh, pretty awesome as well. Um, As soon as Ottawa got a team, when we were kids, we were all just diehard senators and senator fans. And uh, it was pretty crazy the year when I broke into the the league with the the Ducks in 06, 07. We wound up playing Ottawa in the finals, which is pretty Pretty wild, that this is the moment that uh, my buddies and I had been like waiting for our entire lives as Senators fans <laughs> to see them finally make the cup, and uh, and then being on the other side and the way things played out, uh, how it did, um, was uh, it was pretty wild. I don't uh,
0: imagine there was any because you won the Stanley Cup, but did you have any sort of guilt? Like I always wonder that, like NHL players. Playing against the team they grew up rooting for, especially in such a like the most important situation, was there any sort of not hesitance, but just like oh, this is so weird. Like, how did you feel? I think in
2: the moment, now it was um, it was kind of weird being around the city um, for games three and four, and basically having our bus drive through. Uh, downtown Ottawa when we got there and people were like giving our bus the finger as we <laughs> trying to city it was kind of interesting but uh, no I, I don't know we were just in the moment and trying to uh, when we were that close to it and just kind of wrapped up in everything that kind of took a backseat but I know for some of my some of my buddies uh, back home and and friends and family and people I grew up with in the area there was definitely a little bit of. Uh, Division And I know that it was some of the, the local news outlets picked it up and interviewed some of my, my friends and local people and asked them about it. So it was an interesting scenario, the way the way things played out. But I'm glad the end result was what it was.
0: Uh, and Last City, that was two, right? One more. Last
2: City is the uh, one that I honestly i am s- sad that I missed out on and have yet to get up there. But just off of uh, what I've heard from Malone of guys still playing is Vegas I still have not been to a Vegas Golden Knights game uh, and I you know, I was left going to Vegas uh, regardless but uh, to, to get up there and to play, play a game I, at least as a specter I'd love to go up and watch one so that's one I, I wish they were in the league when I was playing but, but I missed them but uh, I, I hear it's absolutely incredible
0: have to agree with you there. So uh, that's going to overlap a little bit with my uh, three favorite fan bases. So of course, I always have to give this caveat. I grew up in New England. I grew up a Bruins fan. I'm not going to include that fan base uh, for many reasons, including the fact that it, I was a little biased towards it growing up. So the Bruins are not one of my, uh, as an as a Anaheim Ducks podcast host and hopeful <laughs> NHL reporter, they are not going to be one of my top fan bases. But I also say that to uh, to say this. I do really like the Anaheim Ducks fan base. They are one of my favorite, getting to know them more uh, over social media and, and, and during games and stuff. They're very unique, I, I go as far as they kind of a quirky fan base. They have a lot of, you notice the kind of, a, a lot of um, interesting people, but they're very, very passionate. And I say interesting in a good way, funny. Absolutely. Think about that Supreme victory meme that's going around Twitter with just a weird duck picture with like laser eyes. It makes me laugh every time I see it. Uh, I just think very good, uh, very, very good people. And I definitely enjoy going to Ducks games and interacting with Ducks fans. So they're definitely one of my favorite fan bases. i got to have to go with Vegas as well. Um, I've been to Vegas a couple times, not to see games, but play men's league tournaments. And I always try to talk hockey with the people that are there. And I'm always blown away just since the three seasons now that they've had a team, how knowledgeable they are, how much they love the team. Obviously, it helps that they're good and they were good right away, especially, but just kind of with what happened there with the shooting at the, uh, at the country concert sure. and, and all the people that were killed and kind of how that team and that fan base embraced each other. So uh, as much as Ducks fans might hate to hear it, I do really do like the uh, Vegas fan base. And the last one um, that I definitely have a, uh, uh, oh man, I'm having a brain fart now. Um, it was, <laughs> <laughs> hold on. Uh, uh, oh, Sabres. I really like Sabres fans. That's kind of like, <laughs> yes. in a certain way, uh, almost the mirror image of, of Ducks fans. Uh, obviously, Buffalo is more of a, I mean, don't kill me here, more of a hockey market in terms of what there is to do there and pretty much only hockey and football. Uh, but seeing both the Buffalo Bills and uh, Buffalo Sabres fans overlap, uh, just they're wild, like jumping through tables while they're on fire. Uh, it's it, I, there's no shortage of entertainment from Buffalo Sabres fans. I, uh, so I have to say uh, props to you guys for, for being entertaining uh, whether your team's winning or losing. So um, there you go. That'll do it for the three stars.
2: Absolutely. That's great. I love the Buffalo shout out. Oh, yeah. My, uh, I, I, grew up watching the the bills because in ontario we'd get the the games on the on the u.s networks and then yeah my my best buddy from uh, up in clarkson donnie smith was a a buffalo guy so yeah absolutely what a great fan base there great character fan base like it's awesome that's a great call
0: thank you well that's going to do it for episode 13 we'll be back next week uh take care see you guys